Chapter 7 How to Begin a Religious Conversation Talking is one thing that many people do not consider valuable. It costs so little and is so common that the world does not appreciate its value. However, if our Savior's words be true, that for every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, talking is pretty serious business. It is said of Samuel that the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. In other words, none of them were lost, but all found their way to their proper destination, did their appointed work, and returned laden with blessing to the God who gave them. In the Savior's prayer in John chapter 17, he says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. John chapter 17, verse 4. Accomplished, finished, not a word left unsaid, not a deed left undone, of all God gave him to do. How unfinished and incomplete do our lives seem in comparison? Talking is a very potent agency for good. When we see how persuasive and forceful some men are in presenting a business proposition, or how eloquent they are in pleading a political cause, we cannot but wish that their talents were consecrated to the service of Christ. Furthermore, whatever one may think about women speaking in a church meeting, certainly outside of the church, women have a fluency and fervor that would make them valuable allies of any cause they might espouse. A single word fitly spoken has often changed one's whole career. Said a noble man, If I have been happy or useful in the world, it is due largely to a chance question from a stranger. I was a poor boy and a cripple. Watching a ball game one day with envious feelings, a man at my side said to me, you wish you were in the place of those boys, do you not? Yes, I do, was the answer. I reckon God gave them their money and health to enable them to be of some use in the world. Did it ever occur to you that he gave you your lame leg for the same reason? To make a man of you? I did not reply, but I could not get his words out of my mind. My crippled leg is God's gift, to teach me patience and strength. I did not believe it, but I was a thoughtful boy and the more I thought about it, the more I was convinced that the stranger had told the truth. It worked on my temper, my thoughts, and finally, my actions. The idea has sweetened and blessed me all my life. I wish I could find the man who gave me this password, which has led me to the source of all good. Christian conversations seem to be almost a lost art in some places. How seldom does one hear the subject broached in homes or at a dinner party, even when all the people present are professing Christians? Riding on the train with a stranger one day, I began talking about religion. After a while, he admitted that he was a church member. If that is the case, I said, why didn't you talk to me like a Christian and not compel me to work so long to find out your position? People don't do that down our way, said he. If I should speak to a man who came into my store about religion, what do you suppose he would think of me? He would probably think you were a Christian, I replied. Well, no one talks about religion down our way, not even the ministers. We never hear from them on the subject except from the pulpit. That Christians do not talk more about the things of the kingdom is a constant surprise to the unsaved, and often an occasion of doubt. Said a skeptical lady to a friend of mine, I will tell you why I am a doubter. I was in a sewing society last week. 
Forty ladies were present, and everyone was a church member except me. I was there for three hours. We talked of everything down to crazy patchwork, but not a word about Jesus. I cannot believe that they see in Jesus Christ the beauty or power that you speak of. I am convinced that there is a great deal of sham in the profession of Christian people. On the other hand, it is refreshing to meet those who are evidently in the same condition as Peter and John who said, We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Acts chapter 4 verse 20 A gentleman driving along overtook a stranger and invited him to ride. As he approached him, he said to himself, I wonder what the man is thinking about and what subject of conversation he will introduce. Surely it will be one of three things, the weather, the crops, or the election. It was none of these. His first words, after the usual salutations, were, How is religion down in your country? The question startled the man by its directness, but it showed where the other's heart was and led to a long and profitable conversation on heavenly things. How much might each of us accomplish if our hearts were warm and glowing with love to Christ and our minds were on the alert to improve every opportunity that God sets before us? While no one can deny that it requires tact and skill to carry on a religious conversation successfully, is it not worthwhile to study the art until we become proficient? If we follow Paul's advice to the Colossians, we will always have something to say. If we begin each day with David's prayer, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19 verse 14 we shall keep in touch with God. If we watch for souls as those that must give an account, we shall have opportunities enough so that in a short time we shall find Christian conversation a real pleasure to ourselves and a blessing to others. How to Begin a Religious Conversation Open it just as you would any other conversation. Decide what you wish to say, and then say it. Say it in the same tone you would speak of anything else. It is a great mistake to suppose that one must lower his voice and look solemn when he introduces the subject of religion. The gospel is good news. If you do not think so, the less you say about it, the better. But if it is genuinely good news to you, then speak of it in the same joyful, hearty way that you would bring any other glad tidings. The president of one of our largest theological seminaries was led to Christ in this way. During his college course, as he came out of class one day, a classmate slapped him on the back and said, Say, Gus, I wish you were a Christian. Gus made no reply and the matter was dropped. But years later, he told his friend that remark had led him to accept Christ as his Savior. The hearty and natural way his companion spoke made him feel that he was missing something he could not afford to lose. 1. Study the art of diverting a conversation to spiritual topics. Go through the Gospel of John and carefully study the Savior's methods of approaching men. Indeed, the Gospel of John might well be called the personal worker's gospel, since it is so full of incidents that illustrate this important subject. Take the case of the Samaritan woman. Jesus asked her for a drink of water. As he drank it, you can imagine him saying, This is very good water, but anyone who drinks it will soon thirst again. Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water, springing up unto eternal life. What is that? asked the woman. A water which if you once drink it, 
you never thirst again. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come all this way to draw. By this clever device, he excited her curiosity to attract attention to himself. At other times, he was the bread of life, the vine, the door, the good shepherd. Whatever the subject of conversation, he always left his hearers face to face with the Son of God and his supreme claim upon them. But I'm not the Savior, you reply. Very true. But if you are a Christian, the Savior dwells in you, and he has said, For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Luke chapter 21, verse 15. I know a lady to whom a salesman was trying to sell an article for taking out stains. He was rubbing away and meanwhile eloquently describing the merits of his goods. Soon the lady said, I know something that will take out stains too. What is that? asked the man eagerly, not knowing whether some other dirt killer had canvassed the town ahead of him. The blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin. Do you know anything about that, my friend? Do you suppose that man would demonstrate his goods again for six months without thinking of that other something that could take stains out of a sinful heart? I doubt he ever forgot that lesson. A friend of mine at the Northfield Conference was asked by a delivery man to direct him to a certain man's tent. I'm very sorry, he replied. I cannot tell you where to find him. But if you had asked me the way to heaven, I could have told you. Do you know the way to heaven? No, said the man. I cannot say that I do. Well, it is just this way, said my friend, and he went on to explain it. The result was that the man was led to Christ right then and there. Indeed, that was an easy way to open religious conversation. Anyone could do that. You could do it. Do not suppose that this was the first time he had used this little device. On the contrary, he was always using it. Studying the most effective ways of turning a conversation to Christ had become a habit of his life. If a stranger asked him the time of day, he would likely answer, It is a quarter past ten, just the time of day for a man to be saved, if he isn't already. How is it with you, my friend? Are you a Christian? Of course, such a question might seem a little abrupt, and certainly would be unexpected. However, it is pointed and pertinent, and calls for a definite answer. Whatever the result might be, the interview would not soon be forgotten. A Salvation Army girl was selling war cries in a saloon when a man said to her, You don't believe in the Bible, do you? I do, said the girl, or I wouldn't be in this place, I can assure you. You don't mean to say you believe that story about the whale swallowing Jonah? Certainly I do. God says so and I believe it. Nobody believes that story nowadays. Well, said the girl, when I get to heaven, I will go to Jonah and ask him if he had a real experience in a real whale. But you won't find Jonah in heaven, he isn't there. Then suppose you ask him, said the girl quietly, assuming that if Jonah was not in heaven, he might be in the other place. That girl was bright, you say. Very true. But who gave her that wit and wisdom? The Holy Spirit, who will give you all the wit and wisdom you need for the work to which he has called you. The anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 If Christians would only believe what God says, they would have more confidence to engage in personal work. 2. Choose an opportune time and place. 
it is not a good idea to stop one who is running to catch a train to inquire about his soul. Neither is it the highest wisdom to give a hungry man a tract. It is far better to give him a cup of coffee and make it so hot that he cannot drink it. Then, while he is sipping the coffee, you can perhaps say something to warm his heart. It is a good plan to put people under some slight obligation. If your neighbor on the bus has no paper, buy one, and after glancing at it, pass it to him, saying, Would you like to see the morning paper? After he has read it, the most natural thing is to open a conversation about the day's news, and from this, you can move to more important topics. People are often more ready to talk with strangers about religion than with those they know. The Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin. The providence of God is continually softening hearts and preparing the way for someone to drop in the good seed of the gospel. Remember also that thousands of people have never once in all their lives had the way of salvation made plain to them and then in a firm but loving way have been urged to settle the question and settle it now. 3. Watch for souls as those that must give account. When an insurance agent is introduced to a man, his first thought is, how old is that man, and how much life insurance does he carry? He usually is not long in finding out either. A friend was accosted by the words, shine your shoes, boss. Looking at his feet, he said, well, I guess I do need a shine, but I didn't know it. How did you know that my shoes needed a shine? That's my business, boss. When a man comes into this hotel, I don't look to see what kind of hat he wears. I don't look at his face. I just look at his feet. That's my business, you see. So it should be our business when we meet a man to think of his soul and the possible ways of helping him. Do not always walk home from church the same way and with the same person. Join someone who is not a Christian, and as you walk along, express your views about the sermon and see what impression it made upon them. That is what sermons are for, in part, to give people something to talk about and arguments to use in leading people to make a decision. 4. Use gospel cards and tracts to open a conversation. One of the great secrets of success in personal work is to have something to give away. By this means, you can always secure the attention of an individual or a crowd. It is easy to pass out a little card saying, Would you like something to read? After it is read, the reader's mind is on the subject you wish to introduce, and you lose no time in getting at it.